0: Thank you. Good to be with you. Thanks for the, the welcome. Tonight, um, we're looking at this. This It's a huge topic. Um, we're going to be covering a fair bit of ground tonight, um, fairly quickly. And I mean, talking about anxiety, depression, and suicide. And as we look at this, I'm very much aware that these things affect all of us at, at some point in some way in, in our lives. And so, I mean, just to sort of emphasize what, what Steve has said, if you're touched by this in any way, please come and, and, and speak to me afterwards. Um, if if you find you get emotional during some sometimes we can be triggered by some of these things at times. Um, if, if, there's, if tears do come, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, it's okay. Just stay where you are, and then and have a chat with me or somebody else afterwards. Um, please don't just leave with with a lot of thoughts going round round your head. Um, you know, I would, really would um, love to spend a bit of time with you and just chat um, things through um, with you. Steve said, my, um, to explain a wee bit about who I am, um, Steve, to a wee bit of I'm, 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 a, I'm a pastor. I suppose, um, first and foremost, though I suppose if we go back a bit further, I'm, I'm probably before that I'm a farmer. Um, that's my, my background. Um, I started off farming and then um, in the year 2000 went to, to the Baptist College and the pastor in, in Oconee and, and Craig Alvin. Um, also, I'm, I'm a registered um ACP counsellor as well. I've done quite a bit of counselling training, and see a lot of people work with for counselling, and have done over the past six, seven years or so, um, some areas of of anxiety, depression, and suicide and and self harm as well. And on top of that, too, I also speak to you as a as a bereaved father as well. Um, I I lost my son Matthew, twenty eighth of February, two thousand and thirteen. Um, he died by, by suicide. And so, and coming from all, all of those areas into this, um, the, the last nine years um, have been really a search to answer the question, um, what, what goes wrong in, in the mind of, of someone um, that they end up taking their own life? Um, I haven't got all the answers, um, but I I have some answers. Um, I can't answer every question, but certainly, hopefully, I can help you think through some of this this tonight. Um, So, what we're going to do tonight, we're going to to look at things from a very sort of um, biblical perspective, from a practical perspective, and then um, alongside that from a psychology perspective as well. I want to try and somehow muddle all of this together. Um, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how we go. We'll see how, where we end up uh, when we're all finished. Um, um, but I, I do want to, to encourage you that, that there, there is hope. Um, if you're struggling, there is hope. Um, anxiety, depression, thoughts of suicide, they, they, they don't stay forever. They, they, they come and and getting the right help and the right support and they they, they 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 go again people do recover people do get better um from from this um and so i, I say i want to take you through we do so um we put up the, the powerpoint there just um we do so i want to just take you through um a, a number of things and really i'm going to take you to, to sam um Thirteen in just a moment, and I know you looked at maybe Psalm thirteen here recently before as well. Um, and I'm going to look at a slightly different angle um, from it. Um, what I want to do is take you to, to David, and I'm going to take this Psalm of David and I really ask the question from it: If David came into into a counselling room with me, um, how, how would I approach what he's saying here? how do I look at it? So it's not going to be an exegesis of the psalm. We're not, we're not going to even do that. I'm, I'm also very conscious. I don't want to read too much into the psalm either. I want to be very careful here, um, how, how we, we do it. But I'm just, I'm looking, coming from that, that perspective and looking at, at, at this um, this psalm. And as we do, let me just lay a couple of, of, of basically big biblical foundations, first and foremost, before we, we get there. First one is this, that the Bible says that life is is sacred, and we, we want to build sort of three bi- biblical blocks here before we go any further. life, first of and foremost, is sacred. We are those who have been made in the, the image of God. God is the one who who gives us life, and and he, he allots our our time here on Earth. The second, I suppose, biblical statement, big foundation I want to lay as well before we go any further is that that we are created to worship God, that we find full joy and satisfaction when we are in relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, which we can be, of course, through his death and his resurrection. And that in that worship of him, we are satisfied. There is joy, there is delight in worship. And that's why as we sing together, we sing, we stand together to sing, there's joy in singing and worshiping and focusing on him. The third biblical foundation that again I want to lay before we go any further is that that you and I are are loved by God. And if you want to know the the extent of of that love that God has for you, just look to the cross. Look look to the cross and and, and see God who sends his son, who puts his son on the cross, in in the place of of sinful men and women like, like you and like me. He dies in our place that we might be forgiven, that we might have, have eternal life, that we might have a home with Him. He, we're loved by God more than we can ever comprehend. We're going to come back to that a little um, later on um, tonight. And yet, in saying that, we, we do live in a broken world. And so what, what so often happens is that, well, often there, there, there's this loss of fear about God and about death that takes place that distorts our, our view of things because we, we are born in sin. Along with that, then, there's also often a loss of meaning in, in life. Um, and so instead of worshiping God, we, we, we lose our focus, we lose our meaning. If our eyes aren't on Him, and, and we're looking for um, meaning in other places, in other ways, and we discover that there, there's no meaning in any, any other place. And alongside that, so often what happens is that we can feel unlovable. And so anybody struggling with, with depression, with thoughts of suicide, you have the, these statements that, that they say, no, nobody could possibly love me. If you really knew what I was like, you, you wouldn't love me. Or, or, you know, they'll say to friends and family, you know, um, you only love me because you have to. You couldn't really possibly love me. But those kind of big, big, big statements. And, and so we, we live in, 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 in this, this real world. And it's into, into that situation that, that we, we want to to focus. And can I say to you that, that over, the, over the, the generations, nothing has changed. You, you go back through Scripture, you, you find men and, and women saying similar things. I mean, go back to, to, to Elijah. Elijah has just seen a, a great success in the prophets of Baal um, as God has given a great victory there in Mount Carmel. And the, the following chapter, chapter 19, after that happens, you find him alone in the cave, and he's saying to God, I can't go on. I'm the only one left. There's nobody else around. Everything is hopeless. Now, as I, as I say that, I actually don't think at that time... Elijah was depressed. Certainly there's a touch of that going on there. I think what you see there in this case is, is burnout. Can't be sure, but I think that's what's happening there. And I think that there's, there's, there's burnout that, that looks um, very, very much um, like um, depression. Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrestled and, and struggled with, with, um, with, with God. And all oh, my head were, um, uh, uh, um, were, were water and my eyes a fountain of tears. And he he he, he wakes before God, just the, the struggles that, that he's facing. Again, I think that the weight of ministry there that that that's, he, he's really struggling with, and just the pressure of the, of, of the circumstances. And then, then we come to some of the Psalms. We have read Psalm 13 already, and I mean, um, Psalm. Well, here, I mean, I am weary with my mornings every night. I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes waste. Away, because of grief, it grows weak. Because of all, all my foes, um, and you, you have the psalm. The psalms just are so honest, aren't they? They, they, they express their, their emotions and, the, and their feelings, and, um, and you get a picture of, of someone who's, who's crying night and day. This, this picture of somebody who's, who's suffering with, with depression. Um, when we come to, to, to anxiety, um, you needn't look no further than, than Jesus. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's sweating great drops of blood. And he, he, him who is perfect, he's struggling with, with, with anxiety. I'm going to touch on this just a, a little later on. And then you have Job. And Job is going through such hardship and heartache. And my soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have taken hold of me. Um, down to um, or back to chapter 7 verse 14 to 16 Um, you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions so that I would choose strangling and death rather than my bones I loathe my life I would not live forever leave me alone for my days are a breath now those are dark dark words by any standard and I'm not necessarily saying that a Job is suicidal here, but put it like this, if somebody came and talked to me and told me that, I'd be asking a lot of questions. Where are you at? What are your thoughts? And so you have these statements throughout Scripture. What we struggle with with anxiety, depression, and thoughts of suicide are not new. You get little glimpses of them in the honesty that we have in Scripture. And I, I want to sort of, you to, to, to grasp that um, before we go any further. And then Steve has read um, Psalm um, 13 for us. And again, as I said, I want to take you, you through this psalm, so not, not to give you through the detail of the psalm, but simply say, you know, David, if you were to come into a counseling room with me and I was standing and to give you some counsel, um, I want to understand where, where, where you're at. Let, let, let's, let's think for a moment where, where he's at. Let's explore David, David's struggle um, with life. And I mean, four times he, he says, How long? How long? How long? How long? And, and he's, he's wrestling, you know, with, with you know, where, where God is and, 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 and other people around him. My, my first question to him David, tell me what's going on in your life. Now, we're not told the full details, but this psalm here, some suggested, might be during the time of Absalom, his son. Maybe might be the times that the, the Paul, or, or, sorry, Saul is, is chasing him. Um, we're not sure. It might be some other occasion where, where he's, just, he's wrestling w- w- with life. But I, I want to take time and say, David, tell me a little bit more. What's going on in your life? What's happening I want to listen to him. And he's saying, God, God has forgotten me. God isn't blessing me. There's sorrow. That There's loneliness. I don't feel like I, I belong. My enemies are, are against me, and well, actually, everybody's against me. And you, you have, you find when it when it comes to, to anxiety and depression, that, that you've, these these big bold statements, that, that you know everybody's against me, or or nobody cares for me, or that there's nobody there to help me. These, these big bold statements, that that come out, and you, you see some of this in in, in David as he. Um, we open up, up, up the psalm. And as we begin to um, think uh, there's through, I, mean, I suppose, let, let, me, let me summarize from a, from a counseling perspective here. You know, he's all over the place. His thinking, his thoughts are, are all over the place. And, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that um, it's completely… I'm flicking on here. I'm not moving there we go, um, that we, we, we can necessarily say is a complete state of anxiety, but certainly there there's symptoms of anxiety there. And see, what you often find when it comes to anxiety and, and depression, the they two tend to go together. Sometimes depression leads the way and anxiety comes along behind. Sometimes anxiety leads the way and depression comes along behind. Or low, low, maybe put it this way, a low mood comes behind uh, anxiety. And, and yet, we, we, we have these symptoms all the time. I mean, if I was to go around uh, each one of and w- work through all of the, these symptoms up here, you would all recognized some of these. Because actually, all of us face anxiety at some point. Um, what I thought I'd do here, put up a little picture of myself here. <laughs> this is me meeting my, my wife, Suzanne, for the first time at school when I was 17 years old. And um, you might think I'm exaggerating a wee bit, but I'm not really. Um, I mean, I was so shy, I didn't want to even ask her out, so I asked her friend first to make sure she'd say yes, because let's face it, nobody wants rejection from a girl. Um, and, um, you know, but we know that those symptoms, because all of us face anxiety at, at some point in our lives. It's, it's part of who we are. And anxiety, as I said earlier, it's something that is, is given to us by God to keep us safe and our, our protection for life. There, there's genuine medical anxiety that takes place, that protects us and, and, and keeps us safe. And we, we don't understand the anxious mind. You don't understand that anxiety is your protection. And so when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he sweats great drops of blood, the one who is perfect, the, the sinless Son of God, is anxious because he is he's facing death. Now, I, I know that the Bible talks about don't don't worry about anything and so on. And it does that. And she's urged to do that. But there there's a, there's a difference between worry that, that rejects God's care and protection and, and genuine anxiety that, that comes when we're facing difficult circumstances. Or we have an anxious response to maybe something that has triggered us because of of a past trauma or difficulty in our life. And we need to understand that all of us will will be anxious at some time because that's how God made us. What I'm saying here is that you can be anxious as a believer and still be trusting in God fully for every aspect of your life. You can still be anxious and, and praying, Lord, help me through this. I, I believe that you are in, on the throne. I believe that you are in control of all things. And so we need to understand that, that that's how God made us. So, I mean, when you think about what happens when in the brain when, when anxiety kicks in, and, and your thoughts go all over the place, and you get all, all those symptoms that are going on there. And, and, and like, like um, David, you're saying that everybody's against me. Um, I can't cope with this. This is too much. I can't deal with anything. What, what's happening in your brain in that moment is basically the front part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex switches off. The the, amygdala, the limbic region of your brain, the amygdala switched on the back of the brain, um, which is your fight, flight, and freeze part of your brain. And what it does, it, it protects you. And so... Very simple example, you're crossing a road someday, um, and the car comes up far too fast. The road, what happens? Prefrontal cortex switches off, happens in 0.7 of a second or something like that. Megalith switch on the back of the brain, fight, flight and freeze happens. Hopefully it's the flight and not the freeze. Um, and you run faster than you've ever run your life before and you outrun the car. And you, it saves your life. That, that's, that's what anxiety does. It's your protection for life. And When I'm working with, with somebody who's, who's anxious, Ultimately, I'm trying to say to them over and over again, anxiety is your friend, even though it feels like your enemy. And what we want to do all the time is get, get this switched back on again. Switch on the front part of the brain again. Begin to think about things more, more clearly and more rationally again. And, you see, as David said, um, writes here about his enemies and about those. I mean, th- these are real problems. These are real situations. These are real struggles that, 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 that he's facing. Therefore, this this is legitimate, real anxiety that he's facing. As I uh, mentioned, I want to to move on. So I'm going to cover a lot of ground very quickly. We could say an awful lot more on this. I'm going to just jump, jump quickly um, through some of this stuff here and just mention a little bit about um, depression as well, and so in, in all of this is extremely complex, anxiety is complex, depression is complex, suicide is extremely complex in understanding it. Um, I mean, three ma- major um, are, are types of depression, the major depression, bipolar, postnatal depression, and situational depression. Um, if, if I was reading this, this psalm as a counselor or, or listening to David as a, as a counselor, and David's telling me all this, I'm thinking, okay, there's, there's a situation in your life, David, that you're really struggling with. This is probably a situation of depression, potentially. Let, let, let's, talk, let, let's talk it through. Let, let, let's see if we, we can engage, let's see if we can, can work through it. But I say it, it's probably even more complicated um, than that. Um, and what you find is that, that at some point, many of us will struggle with, with depression for a time. They I said at the very start, depression comes, right help, right support, it, it can go again as well. There is recovery there is hope. That, that's the message that I, I want you to hear tonight, that there is recovery and there is hope in, in all of this. I so say it affects one in, in four people. And we With this idea in our head sometimes that when it comes to, to depression, that, you know, it, it's the little quiet person who doesn't want to talk to anybody and sitting in the corner of the room and they're, they're, they're ignoring everybody and they're just there by themselves. They, they're the one that, that, that's struggling with depression. You know, very often that is not the case. It might be, but very often it's not. They just like their own company sometimes. Sometimes um, people can be introverted and just, just enjoy being by themselves. It's perfectly fine. I say I quite like introverts, to be honest. Um, but it's actually sometimes the person who's the, 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 the noisy one, the one who talks all the time, the one who laughs all the time, the one who jokes all the time, the, the one who's you know, right in the center of the party. Very often they're the one who struggles with, with depression, and they're, they're covering it up. What I, I've described there, or who I've described there, actually is my, my son Matthew, who, who we lost nine years ago. He was the most bubbly, jokey, fun person you'd ever meet. If he came in here, he would talk to all of you and chat to all of you and have you all laughing. That was him. He, he was such, such a bubbly personality. The last person you'd ever expect would be struggling with anything. And I always say we, we, we lost him twice. We lost him to depression, first of all, and then, then we lost him to suicide. And so, when I, 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 I counsel people now, and I, I'm always very aware of the person who comes in to see me and they've got a big smile on their face, and, the, and they're chatty, and they're jokey, I'm more concerned about them than about the person who comes in very, very quiet. Anyone can be affected by depression. Now, what, what I should say before I go any further, that just because somebody has depression doesn't mean that they will ever become suicidal. Those are two separate issues altogether. Don't, don't assume because there's, there's depression that there will be thoughts of suicide. Those are two completely separate issues um, altogether. People have depression for years and uh, for a couple of years and, 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 and never have any thoughts of suicide ever. But I say that this is very complex. Um, there are many factors here that can, can feed into this. Um, it can be sometimes physical pain can have a big impact here, spiritual struggles, environmental factors, just circumstances of life, hurt, brokenness, and, and so on. But in all of these, some people can, can cope with all of that. I've, I've met people who've had such difficulties and struggles in, in their life, and they've never had depression. The, the mood has never gone down. They have ups and down days, but the mood has never gone down. So there's something else going on there as well, and obviously there's, there's a medical aspect to this as well, um, and a biochemical aspect to this as well. Um, so the serotonin levels are, are low, the mood um, can be low because of that, and then sometime, because of that sometimes some of us need um, antidepressants to help with that. I, I've, I've counseled people over the years, and um, no mind my talking therapy will, will ever help, because... Um, there's a biochemical issue um, going on there um, as well. And it needs to be dealt with, and it needs some help with uh, as well. Um, I say a awful lot more we could say there um, about um, depression, and um, maybe we can chat you afterwards more in more detail if you, if you wish. But let, let me put it this way: um, to help you understand the depression, somebody who's struggling with depression, and if you've never been there, you will not understand it. You will think, you know what, I have bad days sometimes. I struggle sometimes. Ups and downs, bad days. That, that's normal. That's life. I mean, life is never just one big smile. Life is, some days are better than other days. Some days you get up and you just feel rotten for no reason whatsoever, apart from maybe the bad night's sleep or whatever it happens to be. Um, and that's life, up and down. Just have you, because you have an odd bad day doesn't mean you know what depression is like. So let me help you you understand a little bit. Um, I've got my lemon up here. What color is my lemon? It's yellow. Yep. And if if I was to go around all of you and put a pair of glasses on you that has a a blue lens in it, okay? Um, So now you're looking at at this lemon through a blue lens. Because I'm a cheapskate and I'm not going to buy glasses for you all, um, let me just put a filter on instead. So now my lemon is what color? Okay, my, my lemon might look green. What colour is my lemon? It's still yellow. Trick question. Hasn't changed. It looks green because you're all wearing blue lenses tonight. But hasn't changed. Still yellow. Somebody who's struggling with depression. For them, everything looks off colour. Now, there's a very simple illustration there. You can quickly catch on. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, I'm wearing blue lenses, therefore, yeah, it still hasn't changed. Nothing has changed. Somebody with depression, they they, they look at life around them and everything looks off color. The past looks off color. The present looks off color. And the future, well, it just doesn't even exist. Can't even see the future, it's so dark. Everything's off color. And, And you'll come alongside them and you'll say to them, but you know what, you've got a lovely family, you've got you've got a, you know, a nice job, or you, you're doing well at school, or, you know, there's so many, all these good things in your life. And that, that, that person who's struggling with depression, that they'll not see it. And you think, well, how can you not see it? If you look through the lens of depression, everything looks off-color. Everything looks off-color. Nothing looks right. And all, all the good things that everybody else sees... That, that person doesn't see. That's depression. And so the, the, it's not about snapping out of it. We can snap out of it. Sometimes we, we say to people, you know, you know, and, and you get frustrated. Sometimes you think, you know, if only you could just see this, you can not snap out of it. I, I do a bit of running, um, and um, I run a couple of times a week. And back about five years plus ago, um, I was running down the road one day, usually one in the morning, about six o'clock in the morning and me and my friend Eric run together, have run for 18 years now together, and um, hit a pothole, aged my foot, went over, broke my ankle. Um, My my friend Eric, caring as he is, said to me, Colin, maybe if you try to walk and then run on it, it might, pain might run off. (laughs) Now, to be fair to me, he didn't know it was broken at that point. He just thought I'd maybe just tweaked it a wee bit. But just so you know, you cannot run off a broken ankle. It doesn't work. I tried. It doesn't work. And I end up with, obviously, how to go to casualty, how had to, had to get the cast on, et etc., etc. Cetera, et cetera, Needed the right medical help, right medical treatment. You know, for us to look at somebody who's talking about depression and say, look, you know, just pull yourself together is as crazy as saying to someone who's got a broken ankle, just pull the bone back together. You, you cannot do it can 't do it, and as, as we begin to, to understand, and we, we, we think of even of of David here as in the, the psalm here is he, as he says i 'm weary with my moanings um, every night, I flood my my bed with tears in psalm thirteen verse two how long must I, I take to counsel my soul for sorrow in my heart all, all day as we, we, we think of that, that, that heaviness and that, that weightiness it, it needs the right support and the right help and i 'm going to talk about that a little later on how we give that help and that support, how we come alongside someone who's struggling with this. Let me again move on quickly here. Um, and again, um, as we sort of flick on through this psalm, again, I want to be careful here. I don't want to read too much into this passage. Um, and I know I'm in danger of doing that. Um, what I, I'm saying here, if David came into, into a counseling room with me, and I was sitting with him, and, and we we're, were chatting, and he, he began to say things like this to me, you know, um, light up my eyes, um, lest I sleep um, the sleep of death. From a, a counseling perspective, from my background, I, my first question would be, I need to explore this a bit more. What, what are you thinking? What's going on in your head? What, 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 what's going around? And certainly, we, we mentioned Job 7 earlier on there. If I am sitting with Job, I'd be asking a lot of questions. I want to think a lot of things through. What's happening? Where are you at at this moment in time? So let me give you a little insight into where my thought process would be and why it would go there from the whole area of suicide and understanding suicide. Again, I'm going to cover this fairly quickly. It's hugely complex. There are many factors that affect suicide. Um, but again, just to give you a little bit of understanding, and one, one of the psychologists, a guy called Snydman, he talks about, about psychic, he uses the term psychic, extreme emotional pain. And, and what, what he says is he um, gives to, to explain psychic, it's like this, this, this migraine headache of the emotions. And anybody at council who's suicidal, and I always ask the question, tell me about the pain. And to this point, over the past six, seven years, nobody's ever asked, said to me, there is no pain. They've always said, how do you know about the pain? And then they, they tell me, one, one lady actually, um, her, her, her description was this, it feels like my head and my heart being put through a mangle over and over and over again. Just that, 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 that ongoing, on, ongoing pain goes up, um, on and on now, it's more complicated than this, more complex. But I'm, I say that we haven't time to go into huge detail. But getting um, to Coach Seidman, and um, he says, no psychic, no, no, no suicide, no emotional pain, um, no um, suicide. And so, what, what he, he talks about, he talks about three factors that that, that lead to somebody struggling with, with thoughts of, of suicide. And one is the psychic, that extreme emotional pain. The other is, is that, that pressure, that, um, just that, that, that narrowing of, of the view, that constricting of the view, so there only is one way out, there only was one road to go, and then that, that um, being perturbed, that, that um, just agitation, um, ambivalence, that, that life and death battle is going on in the mind um, all the time. And just the, the weight of that, the pain of that, um, just um, begins to, um, to, to weigh um, so, so heavy. On, on their person. Um, another psychology joiner, and he, he, he talks about three things that, that lead to, to suicide. Um, one is that um, perceived lack of belonging, um, perceived burdensomeness um, are the two main factors. And so, you, you talk to somebody who's suicidal, they, 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 the word perceived there is really important because they, they actually do belong. There are people around them who care for them, the problem is that at the moment, they, they, they don't see it. There's this, this, this narrowing of, of the views. Um, what, what happens? If you again come back to the head, what happens in the head in, in that moment? I say, I've spent a lot of time asking these questions, trying to make sense of it, um, for, to understand um, my, my own son um, and um, the loss of him. And what happens is that, again, what we, we talked about earlier on, the, the, when, when the emotional pain gets, gets so high, the, the prefrontal cortex switches off, make it switch on the back of the brain, which is normal for, for anxiety. But when the, 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 there's that emotional pain is there um, and all those thoughts are going around, what happens is that there's a part of the front part of the brain that switches on, there's the planning part of the brain. If it switches on by itself, it's a very, very dangerous place to be. And the rational part of their brain is switched off. And so you you talk to someone who's struggling with with thoughts of suicide, and really hard to to engage with them, really hard to get through to them, really hard to help them understand. The rational part of their brain is switched off. Sometimes, too, they they don't even remember. Um, Dissociation, very often, is connected with it as well. And so they dissociate. And so, I mean, I I have counseled people who have attempted and... Afterwards, they, 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 if we spoke afterwards, they have no memory of what they did. Literally no memory of what they did. The brain has to be flexed, shut down. The dangerous place to be. Joyner talks about that thought of belongingness, that perceived burdensomeness. But he says that those two things by themselves, somebody will be okay. But he says if there's a loss of a fear of death... Then it's an extremely dangerous place to be. Extremely dangerous place to be. And very often that fear of death can, can hold some people, many, most people back from it. And say so as we um, will give you that, that little bit of background there, the reason I, I give you that thought process as we, we look at, at, at David here, what am, what am I going to say to somebody who's, who's struggling with, with thoughts of suicide? What about? I, I, I'm just aware that they're talking a lot about death and, and so on? Well, I'm going to be asking questions about emotional pain. I'm going to ask them, you know, where are you in a scale of 1 to 10? Where are your thoughts? Not being no thoughts, 10 being high thoughts. So say, tell me where you are. If they say I'm a 9 or a 10, I'm going to say, well, tell me, have you got a plan in place? Because I, I need to know. Because I want, I want to help you. I want to, to keep, keep you safe. And what, what we're saying there all the time to them is that, you know, we simply want to keep you, you safe. You know, when it, when it comes to, to, to thoughts, I've said so that there's that ambivalence that takes place, this life and death battle that takes place. And so all the time we're saying, look, there's, there's a third option. You're questioning, should I live? Should I die? Should I live? Should I die? So no, there's a third option. Stay safe for now. Can you stay safe for now? That's what we want to bring you to. to stay safe for now. We, we cannot counsel anyone. Um suicidal, we can't keep them safe. We want to help reduce the pain, emotional pain. We want to help put, put resources around. Them. We want to keep keep them as safe as we possibly can. We want to pass them on to, to a GP, to A&E, to whoever, somebody who can care for them, somebody who can support them. Um, we need to know our, our limitations here. Um, and so, we, in, in under, understanding that, our the, the goal here is that we, we make sure... Um, that, that we, we help to, to reduce some of, of the thoughts around that, um, that, emotional, that emotional pain um, that they're feeling. We're, we're pulling two things apart, death and pain, to keep, keep those two things separate. Remember the, that narrowing off the view, the only one way out. Actually, you know what? There is There is hope. There, there is other ways to reduce the pain apart um, from death Now, as I I fly through that really, really quickly, um, I I could spend an hour on anxiety, an hour on on depression, an hour on on, on suicide, and another hour on self-harm. And so I've just touched the the surface. i just give you a little bit of of, of a picture there. And what I want to do is reassure that there is hope here, that there's help if you're struggling. as we, we've touched on um, already, not everything is a spiritual problem. Not everything's a spiritual problem. There, there, there are emotional struggles that, that we face in life, um, and we, we need to recognise that. Now, everything is interlinked, so that you've got the physical, the, the mental, the, the emotional, and, and the spiritual. Everything is interlinked. Like if one is off, all is off. You know. So, give you a quick example. You wake up tomorrow morning. You've got a toothache. Um, what happens is you've got a physical pain in your, in your mouth. And so you're going to be grumpy. So your emotions are down. You're going to be feeling a bit off, off color. Your thinking is going to be, oh, no, I've got a dentist. I hate the dentist. So that's going to annoy you as well. And then you're going to go, I can't be bothered praying. Yeah, can't be bothered reading the Bible. You know, and, and everything looks off. Everything is off. But it's not a spiritual problem. It's a physical problem the pain, that, that two things that, that you're having. We also understand that we, we live in a broken world. And because we, we live in a broken world, we, we struggle with, with, with sin. And, and one of the big factors that sometimes that we, we don't give credit to is the whole area of guilt, the huge guilt problem. And we, we, we wrestle with guilt. A lot of people wrestle with guilt. I spend a lot of time talking to people about, 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 about guilt. And I, I counsel people who are Christians and people who are not Christians. And I will talk about forgiveness to, to both. It doesn't matter who, because the only remedy for guilt is forgiveness. And we, we, need, we need to talk about, about forgiveness, what forgiveness is, and, and how um, ultimately, from a Christian perspective, how God is the one who forgives us. And all of this, it... it makes us look to, towards eternity to, to, to understand the things of this world, this broken world. We, we need a Savior. We need a Redeemer. We need, need someone who's able to, to take the brokenness and to, to bring healing into each of our lives. And so as we, we understand that and perspective, let me Mention just a number of things, very, very practically, what what it means um, to to recover from um, anxiety, depression, suicide. And again, it's an awful lot more complicated than this, and complex than this. I'm I'm doing a, a generalised thing for for all of those things. If I was sitting down with somebody individually, we would spend a lot more more time uh, specifically looking at things. But in general ways, you know, how, how do we how do we begin to to work through this? Well. From a physical perspective, we, we want to put in good, healthy habits in, in our life. You know, exercise is really, really important. Um, just in helping to, to lift the mood and clear the head. Um, I mean, one of the reasons I, 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 I run, I say I've run for the last eight, 18 years, is, is to keep the head clear. Um, I remember after, after um, Matthew passed away, my, my friend Eric he, he texts me the following Saturday, and he said, do you want to go for a run? My, my reply was, no, I don't. And he says, well, how about just going for half a mile? And, um, so I said, okay, I can do that. You know, I've, I've thanked him many times since then. The best thing he ever did for me. Get, get me out moving again. Get me out exercising again. There, there's something that just from a, even from a, um, a um, medical point of view or biology point of view, that means just that, that it, it increases the, the endorphins, the serotonin levels in the brain. You, you, just, you come back, you feel better, even though you, though you never want to do it. You feel better afterwards. That, that regular exercise, that regular diet, that 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 sleep, um, that, that routine, um, just just. There's really practical things, just in, in caring for ourselves, and there's the, the other practical things I, I could share with you um, if you want afterwards. That, that can be really, really helpful um, in that. Um, from an emotional point of view, I mean, sometimes we do need to visit our GP. Um, sometimes we we do need a, a psychiatrist, a psychologist to help us. Uh, sometimes we do need some um, antidepressants. Not everybody does. Some people do. Some people don't. Depends. Um, you get the right help, right support. What, what I always say from an emotional perspective, if, if you go to somebody for help, for counsel, um, for, for, for any of those things, if the first person you go to doesn't help you, don't give up. Find somebody else. It's not, not your fault or their fault that you don't sometimes click with somebody. It very often happens you just don't click. This doesn't sometimes you don't relate to them. Or they, or you, they, they, you feel like they don't understand me. Find somebody else that there will be somebody who, who will connect with you, talk, and, and keep um, on, on talking. From a, a, a mental point of view, I mean, challenge your thoughts. Some, some of my, my, my training has been in, in, in cognitive behavior therapy, CBT. Um, with, with the whole premise behind CBT is that just because you think something doesn't make it true. You know, we, we think thoughts all the time that are not necessarily true. We always, always want to move from a, a negative thought to a, a factual thought. I never tell anybody to think positively, always think factually. And one of the reasons I, I quite like CBT is because actually some of the, the facts, some of the truth that we can put in here is biblical truth as well. We, we can put in, in biblical truth. You know, somebody said, you know, I, you know nobody loves me, I, I, I'm worthless. Well, actually, you know what? You're loved by God. For, for God to so love the world, he gave his son for you. And so you, you want to begin to just challenge those thoughts. With, with, with facts, with, with truth, um, you want to begin to, to, to speak to yourself, to preach to yourself. Um, one of the things that I've I, gone back again to after after we lost Matthew, I remember sitting in our front steps, and the whole world, had, as you imagine, has just fallen apart. Everything was just absolute messes. But a week, two weeks after, and uh, just sitting there thinking, I mean. You know, where, where's God in this? I mean, like, like, like David here, you know, how long, oh Lord? I mean, what, what's going on here? I, I, you know, just kept getting my head around it. And there are two thoughts in my head. One thought that there's, there's, there's no God at all. Life's one big joke. I have never angry with God, but I'd gone beyond that. Just life's one big joke, there is no God. And yet at the same time, the other thought in my head was, God, if you're there, I need you more than I've ever needed you in my life. And I was just bouncing back between those two thoughts. And, and, and I remember at, at that time, I, I mean, I was saved as a 10 year old. Um, lovely Christian parents taught me the, the gospel as a young child. Obviously, I'd been through Bible college, I'd been pastoring at that point for what, about, what nine, ten years. I knew my Bible pretty well, I think. And that moment, there, were, there was no scripture coming to my head, I was so numb. And those two thoughts, bouncing back and forth. there's no God, God, I need you more than I ever needed you in my life before. And I I look back at it, I don't think it was the most spiritual moment in my life. But yet, looking back, I I think, I do believe that the Holy Spirit of God was working me. Because my my thought was not a biblical thought, my thought was a very, very rational thought. God, if you're not here, if you don't exist, then everything is worse. Because if there's no God then there's no Jesus. If there's no Jesus, then there's no cross. If there's no cross, there's no resurrection. If there's no resurrection, then there's no heaven. If there's no heaven, then I never see my son again. Because Matthew, when he was six years old, had trusted Jesus Christ, as Savior and Lord of his life. He was saved. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That, that, that was my thinking. If, if there's no God, then there's no heaven. I remember standing up and just saying to myself, "Colin, you need God more than ever." I began to, to speak to, and preach to myself, and I did that every day. Um, at that point, I, I struggled to read my Bible. I used to play the Psalms over just on over, during the night time to get an hour's sleep and from for months and months on end. And just allow the word of God to somehow impact me in some way. And um, just kept reminding myself, God, I don't feel you close to me, but I still believe in you. I remember going to a good friend and saying to him, I I feel so far away from God at the moment. And he, he asked me a couple of questions. Do you still believe that God is... Is God and Jesus is still Savior, and I go, I believe that. And he said these words to me: He says, Your faith is probably stronger now than it ever has been because, in not feeling anything, you still believe. And I have never forgotten those words. Those words were um, were, were so important to me at that time, they, they, they kept me going. Um, we, we need to, to, to preach to ourselves, to challenge our thoughts, and preach to ourselves. And as we do, so as I said earlier, I mean, you know, God, God knows and God sees everything. You're loved by him. Your, your identity is in Jesus. And that, that's where, where David finished off in, in, in the psalm. He says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He speaks truth to himself. He, he reminds himself that he is loved he recalls his salvation, he rejoices in the Lord. you know as we we, we, we practically apply this I mean let, let me I want to finish with with that that statement that that you are loved by God, where we started with at the very start again, just to, to speak personally, when I was about probably about a, a, six months a year after we lost Matthew, the love of God was something I really, really wrestled with. Not in the way you might think, but I wrestled with it in the sense that I, I, I could not understand how, how God the Father could put his son on the cross. Because what, what I began to, to, as I read the Bible, probably, I say it was six months, probably eight months after I lost Matthew, I began to read these verses. I read before, I mean, John two sixteen, 16, for God so loved the word that he gave his son. I never saw it before. Maybe, I don't know why, he just didn't. But I began to realize that the Father sends his son. It's always the Father gives his son. You know, I, I used to look at the cross and, and look at the cross through, through Jesus, Jesus on the cross, and he, him dying for me. Now I look at the cross very differently. I look at the cross through the eyes of the Father. The Father who puts his son on the cross for sinful people, like you and like me. And so I say I, I wrestle with that because I would do anything to go back and change things. I'd do anything to go back and, and have, have my son here with me today. Anything. So my, my struggle was how could God the Father possibly do that? Why would he do that? And my conclusion, my only conclusion is this. I really do not fully understand or never will fully understand in this lifetime the enormity, the vastness, the extent of the love of God towards me. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, In the age to come, uh, we will explore the richness of his grace towards us in Christ. In the age to come, we will explore the vastness of his love towards us in Christ. It's going to take eternity to explore the infinite nature of God's grace and His mercy and His love towards me. And I want to say respectfully, none of you here really, really, really understand the love of God. You know enough that you can be saved, praise God. But if you take all the love of all the fathers in all the world, of all generations... And put them all together, it would be like a drop compared to the ocean, the vastness of God's love towards us. Such is the love of God. We, we are loved. And that's where David ultimately rests. And I say to you, that, that's where, where I ultimately rest, The gospel, salvation, the love of God towards me in Christ Jesus is absolutely everything. Because there are some things in this lifetime that don't make sense. Without eternity. In this broken world, we need a Savior who brings hope and who brings healing into our lives. And my challenge to you, if you don't know Christ, is to trust Him as a Savior and Lord of your life. If you know Him, to, to rejoice in Him tonight. And if, if you're wrestling with some of, some of these issues that we, we've touched on, say, we, we've barely touched on tonight, can I say, please, please come and talk to me about them as well afterwards. I, I, don't, I don't want to oversimplify them. They're, 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 they're complex. There are times that we will wrestle and we will, with David, we will question God, and it's okay to do that. And I want to encourage you as you prayerfully work these through in your life, that you get the right help, the right support from a practical sense, but also the right help and support from a great Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. Thanks so much, Colin, for uh, sharing uh, a little bit of your journey with us and for also uh, applying God's word so helpfully to these issues. I thought um, carefully about a, a closing hymn for this evening, and uh, our closing hymn is Your Grace That Leads This Sinner Home. Uh, it's, it's a lovely hymn that is honest and that speaks of the grace that is there for us in the Lord to comfort us in everything we go through. So let's stand together and prayerfully sing this as the musicians lead us. Thank you.